Preachers don't normally do this on a Wednesday or a Sunday, but it's a Wednesday, and I feel like I can do this tonight because I'm up here, right? I'm going to give you all a homework assignment. If you will do this, if you will read 2 Peter chapter 3 tonight when you get home or tomorrow whenever you want, I'm going to share just a few gleanings that I've received from this word over the past years, just just that I, and this is not my message, by the way. This is only a, a preface to the message that I'm going to be sharing tonight. And I think I'm using what I'm going to be sharing tonight as a reminder. Why Peter wrote his words in, in, the, in the third chapter. And I believe, like I said in my prayer, that we are living on the preface, the preface, the precipice of the end days. In Jesus' name. But the, we're living in the end days, like we are standing on the edge. The world is under attack. And 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 Patsy shared that in prayer meeting on Sunday morning. I don't know what you prayed about yesterday, but since Sunday, I've been feeling that way, that we are under attack. The saints of God are falling at record rates, it seems like, just in this group. But the reason Peter wrote this passage of Scripture was to stir us up in the Lord Jesus Christ, to motivate us, to get us thinking, to get us ready for what's to come. To remind us of what was, what is, and what is to come in the last days. We will be under attack. Satan is out there doing everything he can to destroy us. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy us. He doesn't want us walking in faith. He wants us walking in fear. Scoffers and blasphemers will, will say, man, he hasn't come yet. He's probably not going to come. Have you heard that? Many have forgotten the word. One judgment has already come, the flood. One judgment is to come, the fire. And we know that God keeps his promises. He is patient in keeping his promises. And he's perfect in keeping his promises. I hope these words are encouraging. In spite of all that is going on around us, we can still have his peace. 
Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication with, come on, thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't fall from our own steadfastness or faith because of the error and the leanings of the wicked. I want to share a few things with you tonight also. This is not my message yet, by the way. I think this is important encouraging words that I'm going to share with you tonight. Last week, uh, Dr. James Jordan did a Bible study last Wednesday regarding his name, his name, where he came from, his genealogy kind of, sort of. And he talked about how, a little bit about how it's developed in his own life. Well, I want to talk a little bit right now some statements, some belief statements that we are really need to understand. Now, I want us to believe, I want us to understand that God loves you. God loves us. John 3.16, we all know that verse, don't we? In fact, I was as I was preparing this study, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I need to be like a teacher tonight and say, listen, write this stuff down down. Because if you write it down, you can look it up later and, man, it can be an encouragement to you as it is to me. But God loves us. In the name of Jesus, God loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Man. Romans 8, 5. 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Ephesians chapter 5 and Galatians chapter 2, it says, God loved us and gave himself for us. Man, those are words that will encourage you, I hope. They encourage me. When I don't feel loved, I work in a corporate environment, and I don't feel too much love a lot of the time. When I think I'm doing good, you know what they tell me? Just a little bit more. you got to stay a little bit longer. We don't care what's going on at your house. We don't care if you go to church, but you got to stay a little bit longer so we can make more money, so we can do more stuff. Do you know that in his name, in Jesus, we are totally forgiven of all our sins? Wow, that's amazing. I don't have to carry around that burden I once did. When I got saved, I felt like I had a shower. All the dirt and the grime of life was gone from me. And I didn't have to 
burden myself with it. I've never had personally myself, I don't know about any of you here, but I've never really had so much of a problem with guilt. Once it's gone, in, just in my own psyche, in my own mind, it's gone. I think about some stuff sometimes, but the, I don't feel the guilt. And I know some people do feel guilt. And that's a piece of baggage that sometimes we just got to try to let go. Talk to somebody or do something. We just got to let that guilt baggage go because that's what's going to hold us back from really believing and really walking in Jesus' name. We're totally forgiven. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16 and 17, it says, and, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. In Ephesians 1, 7 and 8, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. I love that word, lavished upon us. And it reminds me, when I first studied this a while back, that word lavished, it's like a dump truck going back, behind, coming up, pulling back, backing up to us. Beep, beep. You know that thing? And then the dump truck just lavishes his love upon us. That's the way I like to think about that. That'll lift up your self-esteem a little bit, won't it? Do you know that in him you're saved by faith alone and not works? Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you know these verses, that's great. But when you write them down, you'll remember them. Hebrews chapter 10 says, It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. In Him... And I really like this one, because this is the way I feel. In Him, do you know that you are free in Christ? You are free to live the way He wants you to live. When you're under bondage, you can't do that, because you're carrying all this other stuff. John 8 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Romans chapter 6, verse 18 and 22 says, And having been set free from sin, you became slaves to righteousness. I'd rather be a slave to righteousness and holiness than sinfulness and unrighteousness. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says this, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has set us free. If we read those verses just a couple of times a month, just think of the transformation that you will have in your spiritual walk. 
Because the stuff, the more you say the, the more you say the verses, the more they start to sink in, and they start to become a part of your heart. They start to become a part of your memory system. Did you know that in Him we are blameless and holy, perfect and complete, lacking nothing? Man, I'm getting excited. My bell's ringing. That's exciting to me. I don't look too holy and blameless when I look at myself in a mirror. But I know when Jesus sees me, do you know what he sees? He doesn't see me. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ that he poured out for me on that cross. 2,000 plus years ago. That's what he sees. He sees the blood of his son. Colossians chapter 1, verse 22. And these I would suggest you really write down and, 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 and read them regularly. In the, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Hebrews chapter 10, 14, it says, For by a single offering he has perfected for all times those who are being sanctified. That's us. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For in him dwells, I like this verse, in him dwells, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him. Man. Isn't that amazing? How the Word can fill you up and encourage you this way? i got a few more. You know that in Him you have the power of the Gospel to save. Now, you share the gospel in power, but who saves? Jesus saves. It's not you that saves. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Did you know that in him you have complete and total access to the throne of God? Every time we open our mouths in prayer or in our minds, because I don't always pray out loud. How many of you always pray out loud? No, I don't always pray out loud. But when we pray, we have access to Him, to God through Jesus Christ in His name. Hebrews 4.16, it says, Therefore, let us come boldly or with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 10 Chapter 19, or verse 19, says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place 
of the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is really like this do you know that in him we will spend eternity in glory some people we know are already enjoying that as as Jakey shared this evening with his friend from hospice I see it all the time in my in my line of work John 3:16. The second part says, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 5.24, 1 John 5.13 says this, and I like 1 John 5.13 because it says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may hope. No, it doesn't say hope, does it? That you may think. No. That you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know, my whole, since I got saved, since the day I got saved, and I may not get to my message tonight, but I think this is important stuff because I think we need encouragement in the days that we are living in. I'll have another day to do, do my message. But I want us to understand, well, since I got saved, since the day I got saved, I remember it like it was yesterday. Because you know why? I go back and I think about that day. I'm reminded of it because I want to be reminded of it. What God did for me that day, that's encouraging to me. But since that day, it was the last week, the last week of November of 1978, 41 years I've been saved. And I have never not known in my heart that I wasn't going to hell. I've always believed that since I got saved, that night, that was the next day, because I went to sleep that night, I don't remember what I thought then, but the next day, I knew I was new. I knew I was new. And I knew I was not going to hell from that day forward. Not because I knew all this stuff. I didn't know anything. But because my faith I just believed it. Somebody told me that's the way it will be. And you know what? I just believed it. Now, my faith has gotten stronger, and I know why I believe what I believe. My faith has has grown some. But we'll be spending an eternity in heaven. Do you know that in his name that you will be caught up to meet him in the air? commonly known as the rapture. I believe that. And I believe it could be any day. Look at the world around us. Of course, I got saved in 1978, 1980, and 81. I thought we were going up then. Honestly. And I've been looking ever since. My spiritual eyes are up. My physical eyes are straight and and downward so I know where I'm walking. I'm careful. Really, we talked about Sunday. I'm careful the way I walk now. Being a senior or mature uh, adult, really. But my my spiritual eyes have been looking for him to come back ever since I got saved. But th- thought process since 1980, 81, 
Man, I told Yolanda, we had first gotten married, I said, man, we better start, we better have a kid or two because I don't know if we're going to be here to raise them. Now they're 36, 37 years old. They got kids of their own, for crying out loud. And, oh, boy, we, we miss those grandkids. Do you know or believe, that, oh, I like this one, that we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean we're going to split everything that he has. That means we are going to enjoy everything as our own. That's what co-heir means. We're going to enjoy all the riches and glory as if they were ours, all of them. That's the way I take it. And I'm just going to believe that. Doesn't matter. I just, because I just feel that way. We are co-heirs with Christ. Romans 8, 16, it says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that you are children of God. And if children, heirs also. Heirs of God and joint or fellow or co-equal heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified with him. And listen, we are all struggling with a measure of suffering, aren't we? I don't know if any of you felt persecution-type suffering, where we are being persecuted for our faith, but we are, we are struggling with the, 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 the ways of the world that are around us, aren't we? Here in the West, we don't have to worry so much yet. I think it's, I think it's coming, though. Religious persecution. I mean, it's happening in the United States already. We just may not be feeling it so much here. We're not being arrested. They're not breaking down the doors of churches to arrest the Christians or the pastors or the teachers. Yet. They're doing it everywhere else. I'm telling you the truth. They're doing it around the world. I read a statistic years ago. Christians were being martyred around the world every 17 seconds. Somebody is dying for their faith. Do you know, in his name, we have his power, his presence, and his purpose. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. That's not a suggestion, is it? No, that's a command. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, it says, For in him all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form, in Jesus. And in him you have been you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. I at least, I've got a few more, but I'm going to abstain. I really, feel, I really feel guilty for not getting into my message, but I do want to read the, pa- the passage of Scripture, and then we'll call it a night. It's important. This stuff is important that we get, that we understand, that we that we hold on to it. 
with all our minds because, and all our hearts and all our souls because there will be a day where we are going to have to covet that and hold it closer than we ever had to hold anything in our lives. I believe that. I don't know when it'll happen. There may be a day when they start knocking on our doors. I want to read a passage of scripture that I was going to preach tonight. I think it's important. I was going to be reading out of Acts chapter 1. And I hope you got the idea that I'm expecting God to come back any time. Satan is on the prowl. He is hurting people. He is killing people. And we need to be ready to stand firm. I just want to read the first eight verses. It says, the former account I made. Now, this is Luke, and he wrote the book of Luke, and he's writing the second book to Theophilus. Now, a couple of commentators say that that's either a person, could be, may not be, but the word Theophilus means lover of God or friend of God. That's what that word means. And it says, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. He did a lot of stuff after he rose from the dead out of the grave. He spent 40 days with the disciples, 50 days I think it was. And he was, he was teaching them. He was doing for them. He was giving to them his, his wisdom, his knowledge, which is more than we can handle. He was putting into them what they would need eventually. And that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm taking the Word of God and I'm, I'm putting it into you. That's what Pastor Bill does on Sunday morning. Pastor Billy, they do it. All, they do it. They take the word and they put it into us in a way that we can chew on, in a way that we can dis, uh, uh, digest it in our psyche, in our mind, in our soul, and in our spirit. To whom he pre, uh, to whom he presented himself after uh, many infallible proofs, being seen by them during. 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom. 40 days, my mistake, 40 days. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Man, these guys were pumped. These guys, these apostles and disciples, they were ready to go. But you know what he told them? He said, man, you guys got to wait. Settle down for a second. I haven't given you... The power yet. I haven't given you the Holy Spirit yet. Go back to Jerusalem and wait. It's hard to wait nowadays, isn't it? It's hard to, to sit back and say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm ready to go. I'm, I, need, I need this. I need, I need to go. I need to do this, and I need to do that. But if you don't have the proper power pack, if you will, you're not going very far very fast. Don't depart from Jerusalem, 
Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. This eighth verse, this is where the rubber meets the road in this passage. It says, but you shall, you will, I guarantee it, I promise you, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem. And you shall, and in also Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Earth. That sounds really familiar to Matthew chapter 28. We have His power, folks. We have His presence, energizing us, and leading us, and bringing back to our remembrance. That's basically my outline. So I don't need to preach this again. But it's basically what he's doing. He's, he's given us the Holy Spirit to, to, to remind us of things. Because these guys, eventually were going to write books, write the New Testament. They needed that reminder, didn't they? They needed to be energized. They needed the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. They needed that energy. Adrenaline only takes you so far, folks. Excitement only goes... Until the next downer, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if, you, if you get it, if you know what I mean. Until you're di- discouraged about something. But man, the power of the Holy Spirit will keep you energized. You know, I've been involved in a lot of stuff in my life. And I've started and quit and started and quit different things. But you know what? Christianity, my faith, is the thing, is the only thing that has that has stuck with me and that has excited me all my days so far. Now there have been down times and I'm you know down times when man I, I just don't feel like doing this, I don't feel like doing that and I, I didn't and, and you know you, you repent of that but you come back. You never forget what God did for you. You never forget the blood that Jesus shed for you on that cross. And what he did for you when you bent your knee and kneeled down and accepted Christ as your Savior. Now, personally, I didn't kneel down when I got saved. I laid down in my bed, and I accepted the Lord right there in my bed, looking at the ceiling. And you know what? I fell asleep. Praise God. I was tired, I guess. I just fell asleep, slept like a baby. Next morning, I got up, and I felt different. I was changed. Any man in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for the encouraging word that you gave us this evening. Father, we thank you and bless your name for the encouraging music that we can come here and enjoy twice a week. It's not many places you can go twice a week and get a professional concert 
and we thank you for that. And we thank you for their faithfulness. Lord, I thank you for each and every person here tonight. I pray that this was in, as encouraging to them as it was to me in my heart. And I just lift up this time, and I ask that you would put in us that zeal, that, that, that excitement again that we've experienced in our lives in the past. Guide us and direct us. Be with those, again, that are in the hospital, the registers and all that they're going through, and all the other people that are not here for whatever reason. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.